change everything. 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 What are those words? Chains, fall, fall fear, fear, bow, bow here, now. now. Jesus, you change everything. Everything. If, the, if you're thinking of something that he can't change, you're wrong. Everything. 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 Hallelujah. Hey, uh, I was uh, down here and I was singing loud like I often do. Right, Riley? You probably hear me right next to you there. Um, so way, way back in the day, like way, way, way back when I was young, um, I used to lead worship. And I'm also an Iowa State football fan. So often I would find myself going to Iowa State football games on Saturdays and coming to church on Sunday morning. And I would talk like this because I yelled my voice out at the game. And somewhere along in there, the Lord said, don't I deserve the highest praise? So I started reining it in at the games and um, losing my voice on Sunday, which is much, much better. So I want to know if we can do that tonight. Let's just give him all that he's deserving of for 10 seconds, as loud as you can. song says, show me your glory, show us your glory. One moment in his presence. That's all it takes. And I'm so glad. Hey, uh, I'm not Pastor Jesse. Welcome to Local Legends Weekend. Yeah. For those of you who don't know me, I think I saw a few people that I didn't know as I was hanging out in the lobby. I'm Brad Thomas. I'm one of the pastors here at Eternity Church. It's our pleasure to welcome you tonight. If you're here, like I said, if you're here for the first time, we have great water in the lobby, and we also have a gift for you when you leave tonight. So make sure you hang an immediate right when you go out the doors there, and we will hook you up with some good merch and an encouraging word, and it will all be, it'll, it's awesome. So I'm going to share the pulpit this weekend with two other local legends, um, Pastor Sean well, I didn't want to be saying something that was right behind me. Pastor Sean will be at 8.30 in the morning, and then there will be a cloud of dust going west, and he will go preach in Adele as well. 
So, if the Clive PD is listening, don't ticket him when he's in Clive. Thank you very much. And then at 10.30, Pastor Connor will be bringing a word to us. We have not collaborated at all. So if they go together, it's not an accident. It's the Holy Spirit. So and that's, and those are happy accidents. So anyway, you know, um, you guys can, let's see. Yeah, you guys can sit down. That's great. Thanks for, thanks for worshiping. Thanks, band. The uh, best band in the land right there, the worship band. I promise the rhyming will stop. By the way, all the yelling helps me get my, yell my nerves out too. So thank you for um, helping me lose my voice for Jesus tonight. It's an honor to preach anywhere. It's an honor to preach here. Um, we have guest speakers in fairly frequently. We screen those guys pretty good. We don't, not just anybody gets up here. So it is an honor. And I, 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 I want to, if we can do one more yell, maybe I should have had you stay up for this, but can we give Pastor Jesse and Lauren a corn-fed, ethanol-drinking thank you for their leadership? Yeah. Yeah. I know they're watching. Um, they're on vacation, and um, they deserve that. Um, but I know they're watching because they, this, this is their home. Their, their heart is here. Their heart is knit to us. So. Tonight, um, I'm going to, it's not, I, I'm sorry, it's not part three of that 12-part tax, tithe, and other sermon that I've been working on. It's not that, I promise. Um, it's going to be much better. We're going to unravel and wade into the great mystery of life, what women want. The end. <laughs> did, did any of you see the movie? It was Mel Gibson and Helen Hunt, like back in the early 2000s. Yeah, okay, good. You're raising, good, you're raising your hand. That's, uh, so he's a, Mel Gibson is an advertising executive, and he's, he's divorced. Um, he's kind of cocky and arrogant and uh, a little bit of a male chauvinist and kind of a know-it-all, and, uh, or his ideas are better than everybody. So he's in his bathroom, He's drying his hair after he's gotten out of the tub. The tub's draining behind him. And he slips and falls, falls into the bathtub. His hair dryer falls in with him. And the resulting electric shock gives him the ability to hear what women are thinking about everything. There's no holds barred in this thing. So after a few days of this, he's kind of going a little bit crazy because he's hearing all this stuff. And he's like, what do I do with this? I don't so he goes to a counselor, and she tells him, um, I actually want to be able to do what you're doing, so I really can't help you. So you're, you're out of luck. It's awesome. Go with it. Run with it. Do whatever you can. And so then at his job, he, he's actually really good at what he does, but they're struggling in this um, to come up with an advertising campaign for Nike. And um, he's in a meeting with some, executive, some other people from his firm, and he hears the thoughts of a few women that are around the table. And that he doesn't say anything then, but he launches this really cool advertising campaign. Um, and he, it, they love it. He sells it. He gets a big commission. Life is doing great. And then 
he becomes, with the ladies, an even bigger Casanova than he was before. Yeah. He can hear everything they think, so he can react before they say anything. So it's kind of a fun movie. Um, Ultimately, um, at the end, he realizes, hey, I'm a big jerk. And he changes his ways, and he ends up falling in love with Helen Hunt, and they live happily ever after, or at least until the credits roll and the movie's over. So, anyway, that's not actually what we're going to talk about. Sorry. But I I wanted to get in on um, the longest sermon title in history contest that we're having here. So, here's the real title. What Women Want, that's not actually the title, but it got your attention, didn't it? So, is that, oh, we didn't have enough room on the screen. Sorry. We are going to talk about something that's, that can be equally as mysterious as that. And it's what God wants. What God wants. And I, 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 shared, a, I shared this at men's breakfast, just about 10 minutes of it a few weeks back. And as, as I, I learned that I was preaching tonight, I was like, God, what do you want me to talk about? And this, this instantly came to mind. And I was like, okay, if there's, if there's anything else, just let me know before 5.59 on Saturday night, and we'll see, what we, we'll see what happens. So he didn't. So this is it. And I know this is good. I've been practicing this. Um, I've, been, I've gone through this a few times this week. And um, the bad news is it gets longer every time. The good news is we have plenty of time. So... <laughs> but we're used to that, right? We never go over. So wouldn't it be awesome if we had that gift that Mel Gibson had when, when it came to God? Like we could look down on him and hear him say, Riley, you're so handsome. Yeah. yeah. Maybe he'd say, Mick, I don't know if I would have done it that way. <laughs> or maybe he says, Lori, I love it when you worship me. I love seeing your heart. Wouldn't that be cool if we could hear that? That would be so awesome. So awesome. And if we could hear all those thoughts, I'd either have fewer questions or maybe more. I, I don't know. It might be depend on the day. But I would want to know what's the deal with the platypus anyway. I don't get that animal at all. So what is that? Anyway. Uh, what does God want? Our scripture tonight, and if you can stand, it's really short, so we're going to be um, st- up and down here just real quick. Our scripture tonight is from Micah 6, 8. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? Do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. Let's pray. Jesus, help us. Help me to articulate what you have put on my heart to speak tonight. Help me and all of us to hear. And Lord, I pray for one thing for each person that they can apply out of this message tonight. And Holy Spirit, you have your way. And if halfway through it, you told me to shut my computer and have people come to the altar, I will do that. Because I want to do what you want me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. You can sit down, please. Unless you want to stand, that's all good. So do justly, love mercy, walk humbly. As I was 
reading that, I read a few different translations of it. I wanted to find the, the one that said it the, the best or the easiest to understand. But if, when you read that verse in the Bible, it's all over the place from a grammatical standpoint. There's like question marks, semicolons, colons, colas, semicolons, um, commas. It's just a wreck. And so I'm like, I don't, I don't want to, I want to find something else that says it really well. So I opened up the message translation and I, this, this says it really, really well. I, I can't, I couldn't have made this up and, or tried to write this and make it sound any better. It says, he has already made it plain how to live, what to do, what God is looking for in men and women. It's really quite simple. Do what is fair and just to your neighbor. Be compassionate and loyal in your love. And don't take yourself too seriously. Take God seriously. Yeah. So some of you may be ask, answer, asking the question because I did. Um, that's not the only three things that God tells us to do in the Bible. Doesn't, isn't there like ten commandments or something? Yeah. And then in the New Testament, Jesus refers to the two greatest commandments, which is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. He says the whole Old Testament is based on those two things. So what about the other stuff that God tells us to do? There's more than those three. I'll reference a few of them, but I, I think that they're included in this kind of framework somehow, because the Bible's not going to contradict itself, um, or, or it's not, if it does, it's not true, and we believe that it's true, so, all right, so let's look at each of these, and I just want you to know that <laughs> I am not, yeah, I'm, I'm making myself laugh, because I'm just having thoughts running through my head, I'm not perfect in any of them, but like every other thing we do here at Eternity Church, it's grace upon grace upon grace. We're all growing. We're all, you know, we all want to do better than we did yesterday. But, you know, maybe this morning I woke up and kicked the dog and took three steps backwards. But tomorrow, man, I'm going to try to get at least back to where I am. So have grace with each other um, and help each other along this journey. So do justly. Got a story. I'm going to tell some stories about my kids tonight. None of them are here. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. So my oldest son, Caleb, he is 24. He lives in New York City. We were just out there visiting him a few weeks ago. You may have seen pictures. He works for Facebook. I said, Caleb, tell me what you do so that when I talk to somebody, I don't give them a bunch of technical mumbo jumbo. Um, I want them to know. And so don't do it now. But when you pick up your phone and open up Facebook, he makes part of the app work. I don't know what part. I don't care what part. I can tell you he is not in the thought police, so have some grace and mercy on him. He is not in the thought police part of Facebook. So when he was four, four or five years old, he played little kids soccer. How many have been to a four or five-year-old kids soccer game? It's the greatest thing ever. There's three kids on each team, a goal at each end, and a coach from each team out on the field. And usually, I'm going to put the mic down, it looks like this. There's a group of kids. They're right here where the ball is. The ball goes that way. All the kids go that way. And the ball goes that way, and all the kids go that way. And every now and then, the ball will squirt out, and somebody will kick it in the goal, and it's a miracle because they score. So, like it was yesterday, um, we're at this game. 
I'm the coach. I don't know why I coach soccer. I never played it a day in my life, but they needed a coach. Fathers, coach your kids in sports, even if you don't know anything about it. Anyway, so I'm out there on the field. Caleb's running after the ball, and he gets annihilated by a kid twice his size. It would be like me getting run over by Mike. So that was, that was the size difference at that time. And he, I go over there, and I'm like, are you okay? Are you? And he's like crying, and, and he stands up. And he's okay. He ain't hurt at all. He's like, he's cheating! He knocked me down. It's not fair! Just at the top of his lungs in the middle of the field. Glad I saved some for that. Um, just, and he wouldn't shut up. It was over and over. Between, between the crying, between the tears and the sobs, just, he's cheating! And so I'm like, Caleb, you need to settle down. It's okay. You're going to live. We'll, we'll make sure that he doesn't do it again. It was an accident, I'm sure, blah, 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 whatever you tell your kid. <laughs> so he wouldn't shut up. He wouldn't shut up. So I had to, like, send him to the bench. The game resumes. He's over there crying. I can still see him yelling. He's cheating. It's not fair. He ran over me. You can't do that. It's against the rules. He wanted justice, and he wasn't getting it. He wanted justice to be done. So, after a while of that, I looked over at my wife. She went over and grabbed Caleb, put him under her arm. He's stiff as a board, head this way, feet back this way. And she carries him to the car. He's screaming the entire way. He's cheating. It's not fair. He needs to, you know, he he needed to have justice done. Justice was served a few years later in baseball. Caleb rounded third. There was a play at the plate, and that kid was the catcher. He sli- it was a fair slide. He slid under the tag. The ball came out, and he was safe. That kid fell over. Justice was served. Doesn't always happen right when we want it to, right? Treat one another fairly. You know, sports bring out, sometimes they're supposed to bring out the best in us. Sometimes they bring out the worst and little kids, that was, his first, that was the first thing he ever did in sports. We had a lot of teaching moments, wrestling, crying and quitting and getting beat by a girl and getting scratched and not being able to handle all that stuff and lots of teaching moments. Treat one another fairly. Are you out for personal gain in everything you do? Are you looking out for number one only and not your fellow man? Husbands and wives. Husbands, the Bible says to honor your wife or to love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. He died for the church. Are you willing to lay down your life for your wife? Wives, honor and respect your husband. Jesse talked about this last week, and I don't need to rehash a bunch. But if there's an argument, fight fair. Don't bring up the past. Don't don't bring stuff in that doesn't have anything to do with it just to make a point. Fight fair. Love fair. That'll, that'll make the fights fewer. If you love fair, the fights will be fewer. Parents, we're not off the hook. The Bible says that the Lord disciplines those whom he loves. We love our kids. We'd do anything for those little whatever they are, so those little rascals. That's the word I was looking for, rascals, I promise My grandpa used to call him something else, and I'm not going to say that. 
discipline your children without provoking them to anger. There's a difference between, hey, son, um, when you do this, this is the result. This is the consequence. This happens. You hurt people. You might hurt yourself, blah, blah, blah. There's a difference between that and then just being mean. Or, or two weeks later, in front of his best friend, bringing up something here that he did that embarrassed him. That's not discipline. That's not teaching him anything. That's mean. And that's not what the Bible means when it says the Lord disciplines whom he loves. If God played everything about us on a movie screen in front of all of our friends, uh, I'm done, you know. Kids, honor your parents. Obey quickly. Don't argue. (laughs) In, I think it's Matthew, one of the Gospels, it says, Children, obey your parent or honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. And then it says what the promise is. It says that it might go well with you and that your days will be long upon the earth. Kids, if you want to live a long and prosperous life, obey your parents. Obey quickly. That's justice. That's doing justly. That's doing what is right. That's being fair to your parents. If you're an employer or a business owner, treat your employees fairly. Pay them fairly. Discipline them fairly. Reward them fairly. Employees, don't cheat on your timesheet. Don't steal paper clips, even if it's just one, unless your boss says it's okay. I think that if you said, hey, boss, hey, Pastor Jesse, I need some Post-it notes. Is it okay if I take some? He's nodding yes from Arizona. So, yeah, I can see it through the camera. So, If you've asked, if it's clear, you're fine. Don't steal. Don't steal from your employee, for your employer. Not even if it's the Johnny Cash Cadillac and you have a big lunchbox and you can fit in the nuts and bolts and all four shocks. He got it one piece at a time, but he stole it all, and that's dishonest and that's not living. That's not how an employee should behave. But you'll know it's him when he comes through your town. Uh, and that's enough of that song. I listened to that this week, and it was a bad deal because now it's all coming into my head. If you're only looking out for number one, you're not doing justly. If you can, I, I say close your eyes, but you don't have to. Think of Lady Justice. Can you all see what, who Lady Justice is? Got the uh, scales. She's blindfolded. She's weighing the facts without emotion, without seeing what's going on around. And she's rendering a decision based on what is fair. Not, I like Sean better than Dan. Or Dan better than Sean. Justice is blind. Justice is blind. For those of you who are rule followers like me, and you like others to follow them too, like I illustrated with my son, this can be really, really difficult at times because you'll see someone else around you doing something that you know is wrong and you want them to get struck with a bolt of lightning right now. Right, Jenna? (laughs) Jenna's our resident rule follower and we love to um, tease her about that. So, yeah, it, it's difficult. So 
I've been, I was a little league baseball coach for 13 years in a row. And um, from when Caleb played, clear up to when Sean played. And um, is Colton here? Colton, you play baseball, right? When you are batting and the ball is pitched and it's coming right at your face, what are you supposed to do? What? Turn your back on it. Make an effort to get out of the way, right? Whether you run backwards, run forwards, or turn your back, you make an effort to get out of the way. Okay. So when... I've had varying levels of success. One year we won one game, and this game is from that season. It was terrible. That was a terrible year. Oh, my gosh. We're playing the Mets. I remember it. Ugh. This kid's batting. He's a lefty. He's up there like this. The pitch comes in. It's a strike, and he goes like this. Sticks his foot in the strike zone. It hits his ankle, and he gets the umpire calls dead ball, and he gets to take his base. Now, did what I just described seem like he was making an effort to get out of the way? Good, you're all on my side on this argument. So I uh, call time like you're supposed to. I thumb through my little league rule book, which I had tabs labeled for what all the rules were because they would always come up and you could never find them. I flipped to the hit by pitch and I walk up to the umpire and I said, hey, sir, um, I just want to show you this rule in the book. I think that you may have missed this. Uh, show me, you, have to make an, you have to make an effort to get out of the way. It's right here in black and white. Um, he did not see it my way. So I, just, I could not figure that out. Anyway, so I said, well, let's get the officer of the day over here to see what he thinks. And the officer of the day, when you need them, they're never on the next field. They're always at the furthest point across the baseball complex, and it takes them like a half an hour to get there. So we wait for, it seemed like five minutes. It was probably two, but it was the longest two minutes of my life. I'm in the dugout talking to the, uh, my other coaches, some parents, making sure everybody, we were all in agreement. And finally, I was like, you know what? This is not worth it in the grand scheme of my life, in the grand scheme of that kid's life. Let's just play. So I went and told the ump. I said, um, let's just keep playing. You're still wrong, but let's keep playing. I did say that. I've learned a lot from Little League Baseball. The rule was in black and white. It wasn't being followed. This is where I believe the Ten Commandments fall into the do justly. They're written in, I guess they're not in black and white, they're in stone and chisel. They're written down, they're, they're things for us to do to maintain our relationship with God. So I think they fit in in this category. Um, I want to read a story out of the Bible as the final part of this first point um, from 1 Kings chapter 3. It's one of the best examples of justice that I've it's that whole blind justice thing. You may know this. It's really kind of cool. Um, 1 Kings 3, 16 through 28. I'm going to read fast because it's a little bit long. Then two prostitutes came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. Then on the third day after I gave birth... This woman also gave birth, and we were alone. There was no one in the house with us. 
And this woman's, over here, son died in the night because she laid on him. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while I slept and laid him at her side and laid her dead son at my side. When I arose in the morning to feed my child, I noticed, this isn't my child. But the other woman said, no, the living child is mine and the dead child is yours. The first said, no, the dead child is yours and the living child is mine. And they went back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Then King Solomon said, the one lady says, the son that is alive, or this is my son that is alive and your son is dead. The other says, no, your son is dead and mine is living. The king said, bring me a sword. So the sword was brought before the king and the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one woman and half to the other. Then the woman whose son, whose, whose son was the real one, the one that was alive, said to the king, because, or, yeah, the, then the woman whose, heart, whose son was alive said to the king, because her heart yearned for her son, oh my Lord, give her the living child and by no means put him to death. But the other said, we can each have half of him. So go ahead and divide him. Then the king answered, give the living child to the first woman and don't put him to death. She is his mother. As you can imagine, in that scenario, there would have been a lot of heated emotions in that room between those two women. He's mine. No, he's mine. He's mine. No, he's mine. Back and forth. Blind justice. Let's throw out the emotion. What are the facts? The only way he could get to it was to make a really, really rash decision that would shock them into, into revealing the truth. And it did. So do justly. In all of your dealings, do justly. The second one is love mercy, and wouldn't you know it, I have another soccer story. Um, <laughs> this is on my middle son, Will. He's, uh, he's 22. He is finishing up his auto technician uh, degree at DMAC, and he graduates like next week, I think. Um, on the athletic field, Will and Caleb are completely different. <laughs> it makes life so fun. So I won't go through all the same soccer story, three on three. <laughs> running around. So I'm out there on the field with Will and there and we told we had to tell Will we'll pay you 25 cents every time you kick the ball. He was not aggressive. We will pay you a dollar every time you score a goal. They played six games. I was out $2.75 for the whole season. Will is not aggressive. Now, this is one game we're there and I'm like where is Will? He was supposed to be out on the field. And I, and I look around, and I, this, is, this is a movie playing through my head daily. Well, whenever I think of it. Turn around, and here he is with a buddy on the other team. They're holding hands, running down the field, staring at the sky. And there was a soccer game going on, and they did not care. Will is a peacemaker. He loves mercy. Um, now, when Sean came along, Sean is six years younger than him. Will became a little bit more aggressive and doesn't like mercy as much with Sean. But for the most part, Will loves mercy. Another way to say loving mercy, I think, is to hate revenge. Hate revenge. 
How do you treat someone like we talked about in that first in the first point that's only in it for themselves? They're only in it for personal gain. They don't care really about you or what you feel or what you think. How do you treat someone that just flat out treats you unfairly? You know it and they know it and yeah. Do you hold grudges? I don't know that that's loving mercy. Do you want to see people get what's coming to them? I kind of do sometimes. I just do. Husbands and wives, in the middle of a disagreement, it's not the time to try to get even. It's not the time. It's also not a good idea to bring something up two years later that was never really settled in that disagreement. Don't hold grudges. Don't walk around pouting, guys, when things don't go your way. Ladies, you can do that too, but guys do it a lot. I know we do. I'm one. Parents, mercy, loving mercy does not mean we don't discipline our children at all. We talked about that in that first point. The Lord loves those whom he disciplines. If we love our kids, the Bible instructs us to train them up in righteousness. We have to show them the right way. And discipline looks different over the years as they get older. We spanked our kids. I'm sorry if you don't, if you don't agree with that. We did. And, but when they were 12, we didn't do that anymore. There were other things that you could do. They understood reason differently. You can't really reason with a two-year-old having a temper tantrum. It just does not. There's no, there's no logic in that. Um, yeah, there's just not. There's just not. Kids, the golden rule says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How do you want to be treated? Loving mercy is treating people in that same way. Same way. Employers, kind of going down this list again, is your employee discipline policy equal to your employee reward policy? Is it, I mean, if it's heavy-handed one way, it's not going to be a good place to work. People aren't going to like that. Employees, it's not all about your boss. I would encourage us as employees to become indispensable. Your boss can't do without you. And I don't mean even just what you do. When you're gone, is there like a hole in the culture of where you work? Do people miss you just because you're not there? Not that all the work you do didn't get done. Is there something, do you bring you do bring Jesus. You bring Jesus to your workplace. Is, do they notice that Jesus is gone when you're not there? Love mercy. Love mercy. My grandpa's even going to get picked on a little bit tonight here. Um, we lived a half mile from my grandpa my whole life growing up. From the time I was 12 till I graduated from college, I was kind of his hired man, especially in the summer. I'd mow his yard I'd trim bushes, I'd do all the things, I'd run power tools that I had no business running, but I lived half a mile from my grandpa. Um, whenever I, every year when I would leave for college, he would tell me two things. Don't take any wooden nickels and watch out for the other guy. Now, he was reminding me to keep an eye out for dishonest people and not get taken advantage of. When you're born in 1904, that's what you say. Don't take any wooden nickels and watch out for the other guy. But that's what he meant. And I knew that's what he meant. 
I think that in the scenario of loving mercy, doing justly, walking humbly, that we need to watch out for our fellow man, not in a bad way. But if I see Mike or Riley or Mick or Robert or Dan, anybody, if I see somebody struggling, it's our job to come alongside them and encourage them and help them and, and, and just help them be better. Where, we can all think probably of somebody that, that, that has done that for us. And where would we be maybe if they wouldn't have done it? Yeah. If you love mercy, you live by the golden rule, doing unto others as you would have them do unto you. I think the two greatest commandments that Jesus references, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, fall under this category of loving mercy. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. So if we are doing all those things to others and loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, um, we're loving mercy. I'm going to tiptoe into a, uh, <laughs> a little bit of a touchy subject of forgiveness. Once again, grace upon grace upon grace. I'm not there yet. Ephesians 4.32 says, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. There's many other verses in the Bible that encourage us to forgive as we have been forgiven. Guys, we've been forgiven of a lot. Right? We have eternal life because we've been forgiven. That's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah. That, yeah. If we don't offer forgiveness when we're wronged, I feel like we're saying we're better than God. I just do. That's the way I look at it. Um, we know more than him. We have some insight that he doesn't have, and not forgiving, or forgiving doesn't apply to me in this scenario. I know more than you. I know more than you, God. Forgiveness might not be received by the person that you're forgiving at that moment. I've had that happen. They're not ready. God's not working in them the same way he's working in me. I had to apologize to a boss one time for being a lazy employee. She wasn't ready to hear that yet, but I needed to say it. So she was not happy with me. So anyway... I learned a lesson there, too. Offer forgiveness. It doesn't have to be. It might not be reciprocated at that moment. We are supposed to walk in forgiveness regardless of what the person says. Regardless. I had a niece. I, <laughs> I still have her niece. Um, she's 23. Um, when she was 8 or 9, it might have been older than that. I'm not, I can't remember. Her parents got divorced, and it was messy. They had four, there were four kids. It was messy, ugly. She was the youngest. She took it really hard. She was the only girl. Um, she hated her mom for years and years and years. Um, when she was in her late teens, early 20s, she spent the summer here in Iowa, and she stayed at our house for a few weeks. She was big into fitness at the time, and so she would get up and walk the dog with me in the morning. And as we'd walk, she would tell me how much she hated her mom, how hurt she was, how she couldn't believe that her mom could do this to their family, on and on and on and on. And um, I was like, God, you gotta, you got you to gotta give me something to say here because she's hurt, and I, I, can't, I don't, I don't want to see her live this way. I don't want to see her life 
ruined by unforgiveness, anger, and bitterness ruining her. Didn't want to see it. So I prayed, and we were out walking, and I said, um, I'm, I'm not going to, I said, if, if you went to, if you did something really, really wrong, and you went to God and asked him to forgive you, what if he said no? Do you think God would do that? No. And I said, I'm going to challenge you to forgive your mom, and, and you need to do it. I don't know if she's ready to hear it yet. Maybe she is and maybe she isn't, but you need to do it. I said, it will free your life, and it will make a change right now. So I left it at that. She didn't say, okay, I'll do it. Um, but she did, and her mom and her have a great relationship today because God makes a difference when we just simply obey him. Love mercy, walk in forgiveness. Last one is walk humbly. And this is the hardest one to talk about <laughs> because I feel like the more that I say about how to walk humbly, I'm not walking humbly. It's a catch-22. Um, so I'm not going to say too much about it. Um, I have a little story and then a definition that I found online and again, a couple other things to say. Um, my college roommate, his name is Dave. He might be watching. Dave, Dave was a great guy. Um, Dave and I are playing golf here in a couple weeks. We were born on exactly the same day. Now we're the same age. Um, we were in Bible quiz together. He's uh, one of my, he's a great, great friend. We were sitting around in a men's Bible study at Iowa State when we were up there. And um, we were talking, what's the definition of humility? Um, there's a lot of thoughts thrown around, as you can imagine, with a bunch of guys in the room. They all think they're right. <laughs> Very humble. <laughs> so Dave, finally, he was pretty soft-spoken, but at the, after everybody else had spoken, or maybe I don't know exactly what it was he said, I believe that humility is not thinking more of yourself than you should, not thinking less of yourself than you should. It's just not thinking about yourself. The room went silent, and we prayed, and the meeting was over. But that's, that is a super definition, I thought, when it came to what is, what is humility? What is walking humbly with your God? Not thinking less of yourself, not thinking more of yourself. What does God think of me? I'm going to walk in that. TyndaleBibles.com. You may have a Tyndale Bible in your hand. It says it on the spine if you do. Humility is the honest recognition of our own worth, our worth as God sees us. It's the delicate balance between humbly recognizing our sin, yet knowing how much God loves and values us. It's the delicate balance of recognizing our sin and knowing that he loves us. Knowing that. Putting it simply, God values his relationship with us so much, he gave his only son, John 3.16. Because of that enormous amount of love, we want him in every aspect of our lives every day. We should. We literally don't want to take a breath, take a step, do whatever we do without him. That realization, God, I need you in everything, causes us to invite him into every area of our lives, and then we walk in true humility. I, I think it's, 
it's really that simple, but it's pretty complex at the same time. If you could stand with me. To do these things to the best of our ability, we need the Holy Spirit. I know I can't do it on my own. I'm going to jack this up pretty bad if I try to do it on my own. When, before Jesus ascended back into heaven, he told us he wouldn't leave us alone. He would send us the Holy Spirit because he knew these things weren't easy. So I just encourage you to ask the Holy Spirit every day to help you to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. That's what's good, and that's what the Lord wants. That's what he requires of us. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads across the room. Holy Spirit, come. I ask you to move east to west, north to south, top to bottom. Come into this room right now. Fill this place and stir our hearts. I want to pray for you guys tonight. If you need help in any of those areas, no one looking around. If something grabbed you tonight and said, hey, um, and you need to respond, I want you to raise your hand. If you have difficulty doing justly, raise your hand. If you struggle with loving mercy, raise your hand. If unforgiveness has a grip on you, raise your hand. Maybe you even just struggle, God, how much, I don't even realize how much you love me. Any of those things, or maybe it was something else, just put your hands up. Yeah, all over the room. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Eternity Church. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.